Welcome to Anecdotes for Success with Matt and Paul. Storytelling is an art form, emphasizing the value and learning that is created through personal experience. Our purpose is to share these stories and experiences with the listener. Everyone has a powerful testimony. Let's use them to level up to our best life with truth, meaning, trade-offs, and perspective. Big shout out to Isaac Mather for the new podcast intro. You can check Isaac's music out on all socials or directly at IsaacMatherMusic.com. I am so sorry. Our executive assistant was off today. (laughs) So I I just got notification that there's a recording in progress. So if y'all are recording me, I may want to just a heads up. You might be getting recorded right now. Yeah, that no. So we're getting braver now, Tom. We don't even do introductions now. We just we just Get go right after it. Uh Good for you, man. If, if we don't well, last week with our guest, we I knew him from Twitter. We yeah. we didn't know him, but we started having such a good conversation. We left the first 10 minutes in. We're just like, you know what? That, that it's people have been saying we're having nice convos. Why would we cut that out? You know, that's right start with the introduction but i love it this yeah this is i surprised matt this is your trifecta time season four your episode 110 oh oh, oh, it's great to see you again good to see you buddy i I see you're still standing literally standing (laughs) i love that i'm 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 it's like we never left each other i'm in the same spot i was last time you saw me (laughs) (laughs) uh now it's it's funny. We talked a little while back. It's funny when you start a podcast. I mean, we've had discussions lately about newer equipment and better software, but yeah. whatever that that will happen over time. But we thought, you know, you get you you throw it out there and you go national, and all of a sudden you're this household name. But yeah, I I was at a basketball game at Elmira. You know, the other day Elmira played yeah. Edison for the the yeah. Open for Hopes game. I had free people come up to me and say they love the podcast. Like That's people great. you'd never guess. And so right? it's, it's, yeah, I didn't even tell you that yet. And so funny thing is it's impacting locally or regionally, even though yeah. a lot of the, even though some of the guests come from all over, it's, it's, all it's, it's fun. Sure. So we don't, we don't have any plans except keep talking to people. Let's just keep talking, keep talking to people. I'm, I'm listening. Have I, I listen to every one of them. I bet you I've I bet you I've listened to at least ninety percent of them. I bet wow. I have. Okay, wonderful. I I have. Over time, that's well, thank great. You. That's hope great, you, man. I hope you listen to this one. You know what? I don't know if I will. Well, he, he'll be in the moment anyway. <laughs> I don't know if I will. I always, in fact, somebody asked me the other day. I told him I was I was gonna I was jumping on this thing for the third time, and they said, "Yeah, the first two were great, Nate." kept talking about some things that we talked about and i told them i didn't listen to them i can't i can't listen to myself on a podcast man i just can't do it i struggle so i I, in another life i used to do a lot of interviews both radio and tv and in a different you know different career and um i made it an absolute rule to never ever listen i just i just couldn't it was just, it just, I couldn't stand it. I don't know. There's something about it. Just, I'm like, ugh, you know, it just was not, I, I don't think I ever listened to any, anyone. I've been on, 
I'd have to say, well, I say hundreds, like yeah. not 800, but maybe yeah. 200, you know, low, yeah. like, pl plenty, plenty where I had an opportunity yeah. to listen. I just, I don't know. I'm like you. It just doesn't, it's just not me. I, don't I think part. I think part of it is we're our biggest critic, right? Yeah, I, I oh, probably 100%. wouldn't get ten minutes into the podcast and I'd find a hundred things I did wrong and I'd get so damn frustrated that I just yeah, I might not go back, right? And never right. go back. Yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah, I, yeah. It's not because I think. Yeah, to clarify, it's not because I think I'm just so perfect. I don't need to listen to improve. It's because I'm afraid <laughs> I just tear myself apart. <laughs> no, but well, it's funny. So I think we don't like listening to ourselves because it's a it's a sign that you're not supposed to listen to yourself. You're supposed to yeah. listen to other people. So they make yeah. your voice seem cringy. But once in a while on my morning walk, run combo thing yeah. I do after Patrick, Bet David or Rogan or whoever. I'm, there's some other ones I like. One of ours will automatically populate. Yeah. yeah. So I listen to it for a little bit. And recently I found myself. I can't believe it. I find myself saying like. Like, uh, like right there, because, like right there. Well, and, and instead of I was just getting so you'd like this time when we do presentations in class now, they're not allowed many words on their PowerPoints at all. And instead of critiquing them afterwards, I call a timeout and we go have a meeting in the hallway like an athletic event. Like, I'm going to correct you right now. And, that is great. But I just the, the class laughs now. One kid yell one time. They need a timeout. <laughs> time you know what's funny? I've done so. I've done Toastmasters a couple of times. You know that. I've, I've, yeah. I'm, I'm big into that public speaking type stuff. We call them your kryptonite words. My kryptonite word is so. Now every mm -hmm. time I say so, your alarm's going to go off. Okay. Now, now that I've said that, but that's that's my kryptonite word. I think that's part of the reason that I don't like listening to myself back because I kind of know what my tendencies are and I I know what my right. words are that I tend to use over and over again. And that's what, that's a hard thing. What's um, the what's the fix on that, Tom, in terms of, you know, if you if you recognize what it is, whether it's like or so or all right, Paul, maybe. Yeah. What's no, that, what do you do about that? No reason. Tom's so good at it. he comes into the classroom. I'm going to say what I tell the kids and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Fair. It's okay to not say anything. You, it's okay to pause. And you almost, Tom's big on it. I learned it from it. It's more effective because people, yep. even if they're not paying attention, oh my gosh, the speaker just stopped talking. You know, yes. 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 That's correct. Here's the other thing that we tell people. And I think people take this to its extreme. The goal isn't to remove filler words. That's not the goal. In fact, a well-placed, genuinely placed filler word throughout a presentation is very effective. Even if it's um, a well-placed um helps deliver impact, depending on how you do it. So the goal isn't to get rid of them. The goal is to recognize them and be aware of them. That is the only goal. And, and use them effectively or? or... Well, it comes with practice. I was going to say the, the the main answer to your question is practice. You just have to do it over and over and over again, because the more comfortable you become with something, the easier it is to talk about. It's like being comfortable with your content. I always tell people. In fact, I was just at the high school a couple of weeks ago, Paul, and we talked about storytelling and telling your story in front of someone. And I tried to take away the anxiety with that by saying, listen, you have to say to yourself, 
There's nobody that knows my story better than I know my story. So all you're doing is talking about something that nobody in the world knows more about than you do. And that's you. And you all know the more prepared you are, the more familiar you are with content, the more comfortable you are with content, the easier it gets and the more genuine you get. And it's like having a conversation instead of delivering a presentation. Yeah, I, uh, you almost would think, and I, I don't think this is natural, but you almost think you'd, we'd be, it'd be the, it'd be the best story to tell, right? Because to your point, no one knows it better than you. And that in itself could, should provide some confidence, but we all get, without a lot of practice, we all get a little bit, of, you know, worked up about it. get sideways on that word presentation. I think anytime that it's teed up like that. I think the more nervous people get, we run different sessions um, throughout my circles where we just ask you to come and deliver a three to four minute presentation on anything you want, anything. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to tell you what you have to talk about. And people get so uptight and so worked up over that until we tell them to hold on a second. All we're doing is asking you to talk three or four minutes on a topic that you're an expert on. That's all. People try to reinvent the wheel. They try and think of really cool things to talk about that they think the audience would want to hear instead of doing the opposite of that, delivering something that you know is genuine and nobody knows more about than you, that you want to communicate to people. And people people really get, get, get bent out of shape on that. But when we break it down just right to its frame, all you're doing is talking about something that nobody is as familiar with as you are. And that brings a temperature down the room. You know what I know what I like to do when, when I have to public speak or know what I've learned works for me is I'll have a story of some kind, one or two within what I'm presenting that I know so well that I know when I get to that, no matter what I've done prior to, I've got this little run in me that I'm so confident in and I can deliver it. Oftentimes it's kept maybe a funny anecdote or, 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 or something like that. Right. But something I'm so confident in even leading up to it. If I'm like, you know, struggling is, is for lack of a better term, but not feeling as confident. I know when I hit that, I've got a little run in me of pure gold that I know and that can, you know, bring people back in and then I'm confident again. And then I can go a few more minutes on whatever. And I know I've got another one coming. And that just gives me like that thing out there that I know when I hit it, I'm good for a minute. I don't even have to but think that much. How easy do things get after that, though? Always. Always. It's almost Always. like you're riding a bicycle downhill after that because that gets it going. The analogy that I always use, and Paul, this will, you know, laugh about this this will bring us back to our softball days the analogy that i always use when you show up at softball practice do they put the ball in the machine and fire you fired at you 65 miles an hour first or do you do soft toss first which one do you do first there's soft. a reason you do soft yeah. toss first because that helps you get everything right rhythm, you get right. in a rhythm and then you get in the box and then you hit yeah. That's it, it's no it's no different. What do you when you get when you go on a basketball court? Do you 
do you camp out outside the three-point arc and just start firing up threes or do you do layup lines first? right yep it's it's no different than that it's in fact i mean let's bring this home your day kind of goes better if it starts well right yep. it's it the same there's no there's no difference how you start oftentimes not always but oftentimes is how you finish yeah yeah no and i i, I feel like you know, public speaking or, or a presentation, it doesn't even have to be, you know, hundreds of people. It can be three, right? If you're not familiar with them. Yeah. But getting off to that good start is, is, and it gives the audience, oh, this person knows what, you can see their confidence. You can see their engagement. And it just, like you said, it's like going, rolling downhill at that point, right? It, the whole thing starts to work. But I always have that other thing out, out there that I know I can get to, to, yeah. to kind of, to kind of bring me home. It's like when the truck's going down the, you know, those, those, those off ramps that they, <laughs> if their brakes give out, they can pull yeah. into for a state David. It's kind yeah. of like that yeah. for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you all the answers to the test. How many times have you heard me say this in your class, Paul? I'm going to give yeah. you all the answers to the test. I'm just not going to give them to you right now. I'm going to give them to you at the end. I promise you, by the time you leave here, you'll have everything that you need to be successful during this process. It sets them up. It, it's almost a hook for later on, right? Mm. And if you get if you get started off on the right foot, the audience is yours the rest of the time. It doesn't matter what you do or say after that, because the perception is. And let, let's face it. I mean, some people say that the only true form of reality is one's perception of it. But the perception is okay. Yeah, you know what? That guy knows what he's talking about. That yeah. that that really really hits well with me. So that keeps my attention throughout the entire time. So you're right. You're absolutely right. In fact, Paul, I, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but I've got, I've got something special in order for, from a storytelling standpoint for you guys. When you, when you invite me in, man. For school. Yep. Yeah. You know, we yep. got to work on that. I'm making a yep. note of that right now. The year's starting to get away from us. Hey yep. Tom, you just said something that I've been giving a lot of thought to lately. One of the things that I think I struggle with, I can be good at it, but I'm not good at it consistently. And mm -hmm. I don't I don't try to use it as deliberately as I should when I'm talking to anyone. When I'm talking to my employees mainly, mm -hmm. I can talk logic and this is why. But the storytelling aspect, I don't do a good enough job connecting with people who I'm trying to – I don't know if the right words convince, but I feel like it is. I'm trying to convince them this is this is why we should do it, and and I can give them all the all the processes and and you know some of the what I would maybe be the boring stuff, the stuff that I, that matters in my opinion. But I don't connect because I don't think I do a good enough job storytelling with a lot of people, and I I just feel like that's a, a major weakness of mine that I'm really trying to work on. In fact, I looked up books today on Audible how to be a better storyteller. I didn't buy any yet because I got distracted. I just remembered. Yeah. But yeah, yeah what, what do you, what do you say about that? Cause the major weakness. Of that, that's I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I guess the question that I would have rhetorically is, well, do you have a structure for the way you tell a story? No. And I would, I would make the argument that <laughs> boy, boy, people who do have a, a set structure, almost a default structure for the way that they tell a story 
are more effective at it more of the time. Okay. Not all the time, but more of the time. An example of that, and I've gone through all of your classes with this, Paul, my default mindset is around is built around the rule of three. The rule of three is a structured way to tell a story. It's not the only structured way to tell a story. It's a structured way okay. to tell a story. And the rule of three is broken down, no surprise to anybody, into three pillars. The first pillar is it's built around what we've been taught since grade school. Every story has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Every story has an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. Well, when I'm storytelling, I kind of think of it a different way. And it's the same way that you build an elevator pitch. It's the exact same way you build an elevator pitch. What's reality? What's the problem? What's the solution? What is our reality right now? What's the challenge that we're faced with? And how are we going to solve that together? That's a really simple, organized way to approach a conversation with somebody. All right, here's where we are. There's no argument. The facts are the facts, right? Reality is reality. You can't argue with it or anything like that. It is what it is. Okay. So understanding that, what's the biggest challenge that we're faced with right now? And how are we going to work together to solve that problem or solve that challenge? That's the structure of it. The second pillar in the rule of three is less is more. It's not about what you have to say. It's about what you don't have to say. So out of all that stuff I just said, if you sort of have a, have a post-mortem on a conversation, out of all that stuff that I just said, what, what didn't I need to actually include in that conversation to drive impact? Mm. And then the third pillar of the rule of three, it's just simple brain research. It's brain science. You can't remember more than three things that I tell you. It's impossible. The human brain can't do it. It can't do it. So if I know that, we think in patterns, um, A, B, and C, um, just do it. Um, I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, you, you name, you, there are big, big marketing campaigns, just ask Phil Knight of Nike, right? The whole just do it campaign. There's big, big marketing campaigns that have been solely built on the mindset in the framework of the rule of three. Tom, so like we, a lot of political slogans are, are, are built, are built on that. I mean, now that you now mentioned that, I said I that you're going to go out in the community tomorrow and you're going to notice something that was built the exact same way that we're talking. Like I said, it's a way, it's a way to do it. It's not the only way, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the way that I have found to be the most effective way. So listen, I have people who work for me as well. I use that structure before every single conversation that I have with them. Okay, this is this person's reality. What is the problem that we're facing and how are we going to solve it together? I think that word together yeah. is the most important piece of that, by the way. Let me let me follow up with that because this is my one of my challenges in, 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 in my world, and maybe it is in yours. I kind of hope it is because I'd, I'd love I'd love to hear a solution. I've got 
35 <clears throat> stores out there, right? And there's some metrics that we track, of course, that are very important to us. And we pay attention to, there's bonus programs built around yeah. them and, and, and yeah. there's all sorts of importance to it. And there's some people who this impacts, um, let's say in their bonus program that doesn't really matter to them. They, it just, it just doesn't connect with other people. It's a world, other people, not so, but from a business perspective, I need those numbers met. Right. But Tom, I, if, if I met with, if I met with each one of these you know, uh, people in charge. Wow. Once, once a, it would take me about, you know, with weekends off, let's say, mm -hmm. or whatever, just use it. Mm -hmm. It's going to take me about six weeks just to get the, get back to people. If I'm, you know, all my stores right. are spread out and, you know, so when you say together, that's where sometimes I feel it's so difficult because I'm going, all right, how are we going to do this together? Seeing it. Okay, great. We got to plan C in six weeks. And then it just starts to like, up. Oh, He's gone. Yeah. He's following me. Yeah. So you're not um, anybody. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm. I'm. Nobody can ever accuse me of being a metrics guy. I can. <laughs> I can say that. Under that. That being understood, though. Every organization, every business has specific metrics that it has to meet. I think firm understanding and communication of those metrics sets the foundation for all of that stuff. From a business standpoint, these are the non-negotiables. These are the mm -hmm. things that we absolutely must achieve. So, so let's build using that process over product mindset that we've talked about in the past. Let's build a process to make sure that everything that we have to accomplish, those non-negotiables are accomplished. Now that that's easier said than done, right? That takes Course. That takes conversation, that takes, you know, back and forth, that takes feedback, that takes advice. I mean, that, there's a lot processes, of the right processes in our right, world. Right, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. once that is set, and that's sort of the mindset that I use, once, once that foundation is built, okay, we have a process that is almost going to ensure that we achieve what we have to achieve by accident because of our process. Correct. Now, now we can focus on the individual. So let's come together. Here's what all of us have to achieve. They're just non-negotiables. I'm held accountable for all of this stuff. We're all held accountable for this stuff together. Now, let's talk about what's going to get each individual to where they want to get based on what their definition of success is, right? Because mm -hmm. it's going to be different for, for everybody. Sure. But I, I do believe that where... Where some lose their way, it, it's with that first part of that process. Do you truly understand what expectations are? Do you understand what it is we have to achieve as a business? Because if you do, and you have a good conversation around that, I think the sky's the limit. I really do. But they have to understand what your expectations are. These are the non-negotiables that we're not going to talk about. Now let's talk about how we're going to be successful as a business unit, as an organization, as a store, as an individual. But I think I think that first part of it is key because that's people. Young people are going to get this reference out there, but some people try and jump the shark, right? They really try and skip. 
they skip the hard part of the process. And once that skip, it's tough to go back to that, right? If, if they don't understand what expectations are, it's really, really tough to have a productive long-term conversation with people. But it is truly that process over product mentality that I use all the time. If we build the right process, yep, the results are going to be achieved almost by accident. If they're if that doesn't happen, then we got to fix our process. Fix the process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely one of the the, the challenges in in our world. Um, I'm not alone in it. I know that to, because I communicate with so many others who live in a similar similar environment in terms of my business. And um, you know, we have a lot of really good processes because that's what franchises are. They're just sure following processes, right? Sure. And um, and and uh, they're 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 super important to hit some of these metrics in our world, but you know it's it's I I think where maybe we need to do a better job is make sure that they truly understand those expectations, like you said, and some of those non-negotiables. And, and like you said, these these things we're all held accountable for, even though let's we could say, well, it's your meaning my business. It's but you know it impacts my life in a very major way as you can probably imagine, whether we hit some of those, you know, meet those metrics or not. So it's, but you know what, man, I would argue, I would argue that if it's approached the right way, you achieve something that goes far beyond accountability. I always tell my folks, listen, I don't expect accountability that man, that, that word is so overused now. Accountability almost it, it's almost assumed to come with a stick to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it sounds almost confrontational. If you do this the right way, you'll achieve ownership because ownership is what you want. You want yeah. the individual to own that process. I always tell folks, if I ask you to be accountable, accountable for something, you will do it, but you'll do it Out because I you to do it. You're right. If you own it, you'll do it because it's the right thing to do. And I'll never have to ask you. Oh, Tom, it's always the employees. My wife and I would say it's like they own that store. Right. Yeah. They act the, the, you're 100 percent right, though. Yeah. The, the, the results there versus the and I'm I'm always um, frustrated in, in in our world because. I feel like in, in so many cases, it's like, you know, you've got the carrot or the stick and yeah. everything is everything is set up for stick, you know, and and, and I, I hate that. I hate it. It, yeah. it, it. First of all, it's not effective long term. It's got all sorts of other other, you know, downsides to it. And, right. you know, so so even if even if you're one of those people, which I'm not, who just loves that stick you know, um, it's got its limitations and it's got its disadvantages, but you know, that ownership is where the, that's a sweet spot and no question about it. And it's, you know, I've found, and, and, and that, that getting to that ownership, I guess, is, is where, you know, the real question is, you know, that getting people, people who have that ownership in my experience, they're not there because you gave them an extra X amount an hour or because you, um, you know, because you be, because you use the stick, or you know, it's it's never those things. That's it's not that's not how you create it. That said, if I knew how to create it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. 
Well, the bridge, but the bridge between both of those. See, this is an interesting, interesting conversation because if I said, "Paul, I'm going to hold you accountable for something," it almost sounds like I'm going to be looking for something wrong every step of the way. I'm going to be looking, waiting for you to do something wrong, as opposed to working with you and creating ownership, where I'm empowering you to own a process. But I think the bridge between those two things is caring. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's the bridge between those two things. It's if people see that you genuinely care about them, because if you don't genuinely care about them, they they'll see right through it. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. not kidding anybody. No. If they really see that you genuinely care, I have to tell you, there's a good chance that accountability turns into ownership all by itself. Yeah. Without yeah. you having to do anything about it. So that's, yeah. do you really care about the people who are sort of in your charge? Yeah. That's the question. That's ultimately the question. It's funny how all this comes back to communication and, 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 and it weird how that happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I shouldn't have said earlier, I don't like the way my voice sounds because I, have, I haven't heard it in 30 minutes. I'm joking. There you go. <laughs> I, I no, listen, I, I wasn't stopping you guys. What I like about like, that's why I love doing Good one, this. Paul. Well, yeah, I'm joking, but, I but that's why I, I've got a ton of notes. My mind's been racing and basically you two just made me feel good about what I've been trying to change with the culture of the softball team. I coach now, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, I have a quote that I tell them all the time that, how you do anything is how you do everything. So, yeah, you know, it's like, and there's a couple things we have open gyms and they're like, do we have to wear softball pants? I'm like, are we playing a softball game? Like wear sweatpants. We're inside a gym, you know, uh, we, we don't just feel ground balls in the gym. I I have a Google doc and the kids sign up for 40 minute increments in groups of five and they hit and get out of there. They're busy. Like I, 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 it drives me nuts when coaches, the kids go a hundred different directions or they they're studying or or caring for an aunt or uncle or whatever. And they can't make a two hour open gym. And now, Oh, you're not dedicated. I'm going to hold you accountable. They say that all the time. No, they're they're busy. But if you give them 40 minutes and they can pick the time slot in between two and a half, three hours, they show up, they go, it overlaps a little. Now we've got more one on one or, you know, three on five and and they're welcome to stay. And there's some agility drills they can work on. Pitchers and catchers, of course, sometimes stay and go over to the side, but they feel more empowered. They feel more into it and they. They feel like uh, I keep saying we're going to be efficient. You know, it's quality over quantity. And we we've had I've had to lengthen the open gyms, which stinks for me. But we've had so many people coming. That's great. Yeah. And I'm trying to do little. That's why I love listening to what you guys were saying. I mean, I don't run that type of business or have people under me. But in a a sense, I do. It's the same thing. There's no difference. And why why don't people commit to school sports or a company or an employer? Right, it, it's right. all the same stuff. And yep. buying in, you you want them to feel like they're part of it. And there's no guarantees. We all know that, right? That's why I love I love that Detroit Lions coach. And everybody's bashing him today because because <laughs> he 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 went with his metrics. Uh, yeah. 
but I love his process. He's going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You know what culture happens? Culture happens whether you want it to or not. Yeah. You know, I, I think that gets lost sometimes. And I, and I tell that to the kids, um, every time, every time I'm in front of them, I was just, um, Paul, you know, Rick Kriska. Yeah. Um, he's been kind enough to partner with me here, you know, bring me in and we've sort of built this series of presentations or, or sections with, with the seniors. And we talk about that all the time. Culture happens whether you want to or not, but you're, you're the one that builds the culture. You're, you're the one that builds your own culture. And one thing that we always talk about is, and this goes back to your quote, Paul, how you do something is how you do everything. If, if that's the mindset of a leader, I think it's incumbent upon the leader to communicate that to the people who are in their charge. Because that right there, you know, that foundation of expectation that we talked about, that's what helped what build that foundation of expectation. And what they don't realize, and I, this is the point that I really tried to get across to them, throughout life, whether it's a boss or a coach or or someone who is in charge of them, so to speak, really, really important decisions are going to be made about them when they're not in the room. I mean, think about that. I mean, Paul, you don't bring your entire team in a room and figure out who's going to play second base together. No. You do that in their absence. Think about that. I mean, really important decisions that are going to be made about people in life, whether or not you get a promotion, whether or not you get a pay raise, what your what your what your evaluation is going to be for that year, whatever it is that you're talking about, really, really important decisions are going to be made about you when you're not there. So here's the question. Who's going to carry your paperwork? That's the question that I always ask them. Who's going to carry your paperwork into that room that you're not in and speak on your behalf when you're not there? It really, I mean, that's that's sort of a jaw dropper because that, that kind of gets people thinking. And the thing that I always ask them is, okay, right now, right this second, What is somebody what is somebody else in another room saying about you? What do they say when you're not in the room? What do they say about you when you're not in the room? And this goes back to the culture that you're building with your softball team. This goes back to the culture that, that Matt, that you're building with your employees. It's this it's the same thing. You, you know, to piggyback that, because uh, I've been thinking of it in my head. I learned this from my younger daughter, Allie. Cause she's doing a lot of coaching out in Chicago. Good for her, she, man. she, thank you. She asked girls all the time. So what'd you think about that drill or thoughts on what we did today? And there used to be dead silence. And what do most coaches do or most bosses do when there's dead silence? You, you fill it with your opinion. Yeah. So she, the first couple of times she looked at him and just goes, okay, I'll wait. I've got time. And she said, it felt like 10 minutes till someone finally said something. But there was no culture of the kids knew on that team that nobody really cared what they thought. 
Hey, any questions? Okay. Hey, we had a great practice today. Let's go. So I walk around in those smaller groups now and they're working on a drill. Some, I don't say a word sometimes at all until I finally say, what are your thoughts right now? I want to hear what they're thinking about the swing. Now I'll be making important decisions with them, won't I? But I'll know if, if they're working, like what their thought process is and what they're doing. And the pitchers were there last Saturday and we have a, we have a new, uh, new varsity assistant coach and, and, I'm like, so what'd you think? What'd you think about what she told you today? And and sometimes I'll say, she's still the coach. I mean, but but what are your what's your problem? Like, I need to know your feedback. And I don't think we as leaders do that enough. I can't I can't argue with that. You're you're exactly right. In fact, another way another way to think about that, and this goes back to that that accountability versus ownership. You know, hey, can I, is, I, I got to yeah. say something quick before you go. Yeah. Do you think so many people have been burnt by, oh, I want your feedback. And then it's used against them later. I was just about ready to say oh, that. So, okay. It, so that's a great segue because it's, it's, for me anyway, <laughs> it's the same mentality. You know, what connotation does the word accountability have versus the word ownership? Well, it's the same with okay. feedback. It's the same with feedback. In fact, there's a lot of, good research out there in fact you'll love this paul if i think i i think i heard this from adam grant in fact i think there's some research out there that you know instead of asking for feedback ask for advice instead of saying hey what feedback do you have for me say what what, what advice would you give me to get better because i think the same dynamic mm-hmm. exists there because feedback is almost like, hey, give me your feedback, and then oh, I'm going to start to shield myself because I know you're going to tell me all the yeah. things that I'm doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right? As opposed to, hey, can you give me some advice? Which now, is open, right? Opens you right open, up. And it's a more positive thing. It's a more positive feeling. Yet, I just changed one word. Yeah. That's, that's all I did. And I've really started to incorporate that with my folks and the people who I work with all the time. Instead of instead of me, I, I don't ask for feedback anymore. I now ask for advice because it makes more people have to get you better. All right, now I'm going to get you better. Yeah, and it's did, it's, did it, it's the same thing, Paul. I'm telling you, just just what you just said. I think feedback can can be a rough word for folks. Does does it take people a while to believe that? Because I don't, I don't think, you know, last year being my first year with that team, I don't think many of them bought in because you're not used to that this year. Yes. I've had all off season this year. It's different. I not, haven't changed, you know, but I think the big piece of that, and this is, this is you, you and I have talked about this a lot and my guess not being anywhere near the place, but my guess is the, the culture is shifted now because you've given them your trust. Right. We've talked about that all the time. There's this big question out there. Is trust something that it should be earned or is it something that should be given? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a different thought on that. I, I think trust is something that should be given. Because if I say, okay, you know what? Okay, Matt, you have to go out and earn my trust. Well, first of all, how do I know when you've done that? But yep. More importantly, how do you know yeah. when, you, when you've earned my trust? I mean, does, do you just make wake up one day and say, hey, guess what? You've done a great job. Now you've earned my trust. That's trust meter, it, maybe? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, give away, give away your trust. And I guarantee you, if you decide to give away your trust, you will, you will be, you will be pleasantly surprised more often than you won't be. And I think, Paul, my guess is knowing you the way that I know you, my guess is that that's the foundation of it all. Because I used to believe that that trust was the foundation for everything. Um, but, and I mean, Brene Brown would be proud to hear about this, but but trust used to be the foundation. It's not. It's actually vulnerability. I believe but that. But, but you can't be vulnerable unless you've built a psychologically safe environment. So if you're looking at this in layers, Everybody wants connectivity, right? Everybody, we're human beings. We're built for connection. Everybody wants connectivity, but you can't have connectivity. Connectivity is the top layer of the process. The bottom layer is psychological safety. The next layer, if you have a psychologically safe environment, people will be more apt to be more vulnerable. Vulnerability builds trust and trust builds connection. Trust results in connection. So that's sort of the big four. That's kind of how I've teed it up for my group and how I've I've sort of used that as a default mindset mindset for me. So it's again, do you have a purposeful way for the way you approach conversations with all people around you? And if you do, I mean, it's not always gonna work out, but it will most of the time. That's for sure. Yeah, you have to be willing. I mean, with employees, uh, colleagues, co-owners, you have to be willing to know when you've got to cut ties too. Some some people just aren't going to buy in, right? It's the way it is, man. I mean, it's it's you you can't make somebody do something. You can't make somebody buy in. You can't make somebody trust you. You can't. You just can't do it. It's gonna. It's not gonna work out for everybody. But if that's, it's just like what you talked about with Dan Campbell. That's his process. That's the way he's always coached. It's 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 a default mindset for him. Well, it's the same in the business world. I I believe that if you truly take that process over product mentality and you have a default mindset around not only the way you tell your stories about the way you build your culture the way you build your environment and stick to it i mean you're gonna you're gonna do okay you're gonna do all right um so that's just that's just my thought my thought around it all it's it's um harder to implement sometimes of course matt i want to you talk about actually now i'm asking matt a question and not tom yeah. i don't know how that happened hey, i'll just I'll, I'll i'll be the moderator for this part yeah yeah that, that, absolutely you could be you could be uh you talked about metrics. Wait, what was it? Incentives earlier that, that your franchise has, obviously. Uh, what do you do when people don't buy in? Or is that the million dollar question? Because you said some don't. No, it, it is a million dollar question. If some don't, you kind of what Tom was just saying and using the Dan Campbell example, like this is what has to be done. This this is our these are the non-negotiables. These are we need we need to hit these these numbers um, because if the business isn't healthy, then 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 the whole thing's in trouble, you know. And and so now there's some variables in what metrics we're talking about, and 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 you know, uh, is it monthly? Is it 
quarterly, is it annually? There, there's variables there. But there are, there are certainly people that, that don't buy in. And, um, you know, you have to replace people. And that's just to, it's kind of like, yeah, that, those things are going to happen. And, and um, you know, I don't like it, but it it has to happen. It, the question is so often, OK. Where where's the effort? Do I trust the effort? Right. Is there mm-hmm. is, you know, look, you're not going to hit every number every time. And it isn't like, oh, you didn't hit it this month. Goodbye. You didn't hit it next month. Goodbye. <laughs> You know, it's it's right. not like that. You know, there, there's some some subjectivity to it, I guess, in a sense. And there's there's some, um, you know, Tom. I'm like you. I st- I always start from a place of of trust and respect with people. I, I don't I don't demand they earn it. I give it from mm-hmm. the beginning, and then you can take it away through yeah. actions. But I start there, and I've just always felt that it. You know, you you have a much more um, well thought out and spoken way of putting it. But as you're talking, I'm like, yes, there's this vulnerability here. And then, and then, and then we can build into something together. And it just seems to work better that way rather than you're going to earn my trust or else. I've never really had any success with that mentality. You know what though? You got me thinking about something, Paul. You, you, you really what we're talking about, I mean, forget getting rid of people and all that stuff. Really, what we're talking about is top performers versus lower performers, right? That's really what we're talking about. And the thing that I always tell folks, whether you realize it or not, everywhere you go in every facet of business, it doesn't matter where it is. Everybody's got a bell-shaped curve. Yep. Everybody's got a bell-shaped curve. Paul, there's a bell-shaped curve in teaching. Um, Matt, there's a bell-shaped curve on your team. There's a bell-shaped curve on mine. There's a bell-shaped curve everywhere. And, and the reason this is the reason I bring this up. When I was when I first became a people leader, I'll never forget the first person I worked for. He always called me by my last name. And he said, Casey, I got a question for you. I want you to answer it for me right now. You got a team of 12 people. Okay. You've got two people on the you got you got a bell-shaped curve. You have two people on this side of the curve. You got two people on this side of the curve and you got eight people in the middle of that curve, which seems realistic, right? I mean, that's a typical bell-shaped curve. He said, I got a question for you. Forget about the people in the middle. Think about the two people on the opposite ends of that spectrum. Who are you spending your most time? And I said, like I knew what the heck I was talking about, I said, got it. You know what? These people need development. These people and need then to coach them, right? Yeah. I can give them. I got to coach them up to make them better. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You have to spend most of your time with the people on the right side of that. Your top performers who are on the right side of that bell-shaped curve. Because the goal is to have them pull the curve yep. to the right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what you're trying to do, you expect those people on the other side of the curve to push, push mm-hmm. the bell-shaped curve to the right. Because I'm be- see, because this is what happens. Now, nowhere a bell-shaped curve sits. You pull that bell-shaped curve to the right, 
Your better people get even better. Most of your people in the middle shift toward the right side of that bell-shaped curve. And where do the people on the back end of that bell-shaped curve shift? They shift to the middle of that bell-shaped curve. So now by pulling that bell-shaped curve to the right, you just, just because of their influence, you would influence your entire team and you've made them all better at the same time. Hmm. That's not how most people think. No. That's not how most people think because no. where's your energy going to go? Where's your time going to go? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. It is a question. It is a question. That's that's a question I always have to ask. Right. And yep. I mean, some would say there's pretty good research. You know what? Work with your very best people to pull the entire organization to the right. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never never given that any thought. I've never heard that from that sense. My daughters had a really good coach at a young age that said, I'm getting on you because I love you. If if I'm not talking to you at all, you probably won't be on the team next year. (laughs) That's just what it is. But, you you know, laughing. I love you like family. But that's that. But what that's what he was doing. I don't have time to talk to the people that aren't putting an effort or aren't coachable or shouldn't be. You, huh. you know, yeah. it's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it, it's it's leadership, right? There's no one book to read to learn how to become a good leader, right? You Unfortunately, just, listen. If you <laughs> this is this is the thing that I always tell people. If everything you do is coming from a place of kindness, if you end up stepping on people's toes along the way, turn around and apologize to them because you've yeah. got you've got nothing you've got nothing mm-hmm. to be ashamed of. Yeah. And that's that's the approach that I've that I've decided to take. I mean, maybe it's because I've been doing what I do for a really long time and and that's the way that's the way it goes. I'm reading this book. It's funny, Paul, I'll, I'll close with this because I got it. And I'm not going to say chop wood, carry water, although I just said it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that. Don't worry. Um, I, I just got I read that, by the way, book. since the last time. So yeah, hey, great book. Great book. Yes. The only thing, hey, the only thing better than reading a good book is reading it again. That's mm. what I always tell. That's what I always tell people. Just did that. I, I just re-listened to the oh, Art of War. By Stephen Pressfield. Great. And that's the third time. And I Matt just listened to it. Same thing. But anyways, go ahead. I just re I just re-listened to a to a book by um Elizabeth Gilbert, I think her name is. It's called Big Magic. Hmm. Called Big Big Magic. And she there oh, there's all sorts of really cool stuff in that book. I mean, it's great. I mean, um martyrs versus tricksters oh man it's really really cool you guys you guys are really really love it. Just wrote it what down, was it Tom. what was it called big, big magic. magic big magic by eileen Gil- uh, elizabeth gilbert i'm sorry elizabeth gilbert is her name and there's a section in there where she talks about phases of life you know we, okay. we spend our 20s and our 30s trying to validate ourselves and trying to impress people and trying to prove to people that we actually deserve to be in a room. Mm -hmm. And then we spend our forties and fifties and we, that's sort of where we are. Right. So we're, we're in that middle phase, the three of us where, you know what, you've gotten to a point where you're comfortable in your own skin. And frankly, you don't really 
care what other people think. I mean, it's a great place to be. <laughs> but, but in a weird kind of way, not caring is actually caring, right? I mean, it's it's just, I don't, again, we're all doing things. We're all trying to do the right thing. I don't really care what anybody thinks of me. It doesn't make any difference. As long as I keep trying to do the right thing and it's yep. coming from a genuine place and a place of kindness. Right. You don't like what I'm doing? Cool. That's on you at that point. Yeah. And, and, pe- and people really don't think about you as much as you think they do. Aha. Yeah. That's the third phase. Oh, jeez. That's the third phase. <laughs> you see, we get we get to our 60s and our 70s and we finally realize nobody was thinking about us in the first place. <laughs> Somehow I was there in my twenties. I would somehow I always oh, knew. That's that. fair. That's fair. Fair. <laughs> which that's had fair. It, which had its good and bad. Right, <laughs> but, but it just it just gives you, you know, you go through different different mindsets throughout your entire life, and you do, and and you know, I, I would argue, and I've always sort of drawn my line in the sand that, you know, what are we going to do? It's our responsibility to help those people that are approaching their twenties and their thirties to be as prepared for whatever it is they're going to be faced with when they, you know, when they get out, get out in the real world. And, and that, and I will, I will deliver this shot because everybody who I work with in the school districts around us right now, they all probably punch me in my face for saying this because I say it about a hundred times. Um, Communication skills are everything. And the question that I think we have to ask ourselves is, are we really helping prepare our kids from a communication skill standpoint? And I don't know. I don't know if the answer to that is yes. Um, I think there's a lot more discussion that probably needs to be had around that because, you know, we just came we talked about the communication pandemic in a couple a couple of the episodes that we talked about. And I don't think that's gone away. I really don't think that's gone away. So, you know. No, Tom, if you want a anecdotal opinion on that, which would be from me, it's it, we're in a, we're in a real difficult spot. It's yeah. it's the answer is no. It's just yeah. it's just unequivocally no, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's. And it's like everything; it comes with consequences. That's right. That's right. And I, and I do believe there's something. There's something. I, listen, how about this? I refuse to believe that there's nothing we can do about it. I just Agreed. absolutely refuse. I Agreed. refuse to believe that. Yep. And I think Agreed. it begins. I think it begins at the high school level. I really do. And there's all sorts of really cool, innovative, unique conversations that can be had around that. For the people that want to have the conversations. Yeah. So yeah. it's there there's an opportunity. There really is. That's the good news for, for me anyway. There's there's a real opportunity to help folks be even more prepared than they already are when they when they leave high school. So just my two cents. Mm. Oh, we like your two cents. Thanks for the invite. This is fun, well, man. I you, can do this all the time. Well, I know you. <laughs> That's why you, we got you, started doing it, right, Paul? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we, we, there's, there's, a, you're one of the select few. Like, we should have you on more often. And then we just get, we've been booked with a lot of people, and it's, it's a good and a bad thing, you know, because you don't, you don't revisit some. But I know, man. I kept saying to myself, my 
freaking phone must be broke or something. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with it, man? I usually hear from Paul right around now. <laughs> I was out of minutes. I was out of minutes. That's what I thought. So. That's, what I, that's, what, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Hey, th- hey listen, y'all are doing great stuff. This is awesome. Um, it's just, it, it, this has kind of just turned into its thing. It's kind of running itself at this point. Yes, and I've this is a tough one. I think I narrowed it down what we're going to call it. I'll, I'll send it to you when I decide. Okay. But uh, okay. do whatever you want to do with it, post it wherever you want to post it. And I hope people I appreciate found some, it, found some value anyway. I hope, oh, hope, I, hope I, I brought something I, to the table. Yeah, I, I did. I found value. Yeah. <laughs> but and and that's why we do it. We keep I saying know. if we're going to have guests on and not if we're not going to get anything out of it, then yep. it doesn't even matter if other people do. What's the point? Hey, listen. I'm no Cam F. Awesome, but I'm I'm I got something. To, I got something to contribute. You know what? If, if you're on enough, we'll start quoting you to other guests, and they won't. Yeah. They'll be like, Who? "That's true." But you 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 draw, you, and you're consistent with your core th- things. And we didn't even have a topic tonight. I told you we were going to freestyle. That's the best kind of podcast, man. That's the sure best is. kind of podcast. And we sure just is. went an hour, so. Like that. Good Thanks, stuff. guys. Paul, I expect a phone call, man. I expect it. I expect a text with a time that works for you guys over there. Man. You know, I I wrote it down. I'm I'm going to talk to them about it tomorrow. Perfect. Perfect. See, see you guys. Pleasure. See you. Have a good night, yeah. guys.